of a clear blue sky and the tears that I cried for that woman gonna flood you big river and I'm gonna sit right here until I die I met her accidentally in St. Paul, Minnesota and it tore me up every time I heard her drawl, southern drawl then I heard my dream went back downstream to Borton and Davenport and I followed you big river when it called Hello and welcome to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. And in this episode, I'll be looking at the second half of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain. Um, this will, um, what to say, um, how to start. In my last episode, I talked more about the kids and, and I think that's, right because that's the focus of the first half of the novel but in the second half of the novel of course our characters get thrust into much more adult um, experiences they see the adult world and and how Mark Twain actually finishes the book as he says so and at this chronicle it being strictly a history of a boy it must stop here the story could not go on much further without it becoming the history of a man so that concept of, of like maturation, of growing up, is something that's on Mark Twain's mind as he wrote this book. So I think that's, that's on purpose, that we see Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn and Becky Thatcher, those three characters probably more than any others, experiencing the adult world in a very abrupt way. And of course, that's through the, the, the murder of the murder witnessed by by Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer, um, in you know done by by Injun Joe. But of course, we also need to think back to what we've already read to realize that Mark Twain's already sort of set this up in a way. As we see Tom Sawyer kind of poking fun at adult conventions, because that's. Yeah, maturation is part of the story here, but there's also this idea that once you become an adult, you are, you become like less free in a way. I mean, this is the meaning of, of Huck Finn's soliloquy at the end of the book, right? So jumping ahead to the end of the book, he, it's revealed he has half of this treasure, this Injun Joe's treasure, and he got it from someone else. Um, but they inherit this treasure because they're like finders keepers kind of situation. Their money's invested and Huck Finn is sent to live with the widow Douglas. And she's gonna like try to civilize him. Of course, this is a theme that comes up in the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn too. So she's gonna try to civilize him and he runs away after a while and says like, I can't do it. Like this is not a life to live going to church and eating dinner at certain times and asking permission to use fish or asking permission to sleep in the in the barn or, or the things he's used to the thing he used to be free right he's free because his father's a drunk he basically has no one caring for him and once he's enters into the normal civilized society he becomes unhappy and he has to run away and then eventually and i'm getting to the end of the book here but i think that's okay um tom sawyer says something like well if you want to be part of our 
bandit gang, which they're talking about starting. They were playing pirates before. And in fact, that's where we left off in the last episode. But by the end, he's gotten in his head that he wants to play bandit. He says, well, bandits are civilized, which is really, I think, telling because they're trying to civilize Huck Finn. And Tom Sawyer at the same moment is saying, well, bandits are essentially more civilized than pirates. And therefore, bandits... But I think band like he's sort of saying here. I think Mark Twain is, is maybe not sort of like directly saying the adult world, the civilized world, is criminal by its very nature, right? And of course, Huck Finn proves his moral superiority to the adult world in in his in the book dedicated to his character. It's, it's also kind of interesting how. This is like Tom Sawyer at the beginning, and Huck Finn becomes a major player at the end, thematically very important in the adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Tom Sawyer enters the book at the end, and he has a very important plot role to play at that point, but I think it's a thematic foil too, in the same way. But anyways, back to it. Uh, what I'm saying here is that Mark Twain is casting a dispersion on the adult world. And I taught, made, made a point last time of saying how this is this was published 100 years after the Declaration of Independence at a point when Americans were very proud of their experiment, advertising to the world their achievements uh, as a free republic in the new world and all that stuff. Political stability, except they had a civil war. Um, moral superiority, except they have slavery for most of that time. Um, you know, it's, it's a hypocritical claim that I think anyone who like just knows American history can expose pretty quickly. But it was taken seriously at the time by people. But, you know, Mark Twain is looking at American history and the adult world around him, and he sees it full of, of mediocre people, of corrupt people, of, of lies. And, and, he, that's, and he uses this story a story centered on children to expose that all right because kids know this or kids always have an inkling that the adults in their life are are scammers are 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 full of it right and i i feel this because i i'm teaching these days i'm teaching children these days and i on some level know i'm kind of not what my position demands me to be right Right, they don't. They only know a small part of me, what what I am, and that's a good thing, I suppose. But you know, they also don't know how much doubts I have about my own knowledge. The, you know, I guess this is that that old statement that you know, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Um. You know, I don't know if I'm like uh, Tom Sawyer's teacher, the one who who's beating him, right? I'm never going to beat the kids, and I don't really deep down want to be a doctor and, 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 and maybe get off on the nude pictures in the medical books. That's, of course, a scene from the, from the story, too. Um, but, you know, there's, I'm not how I present myself to my students. So there is kind of a... Uh, a contriveness to adult life. And we've seen this early on, like in the church, where everyone thinks going to church is so important, but they're all bored out, out of their skulls while they're in church. 
and they and they, and they hate it just as much as the kids hate it. They just don't say it because they pretend to, right? Huck Finn's the one who can get away because he doesn't have anyone forcing him to go there. But then when Widow Douglas forces him to go there, he's he's miserable. Tom Sawyer's miserable too, but he just kind of bears with it because he's he knows it's something he has to do. It's it's part of his job. If you want his job as a kid is to go through these kind of these, these things. So, I think the book, you know, through the character of Injun Joe, and through the whole plot of the murder and the trial, it it's the imposition of of the adult world into these kids' lives, and then money becomes a symbol of that at the end. Money is the way in which the adult life is is thrust upon them. Right. And that's kind of what Huck Finn also says at the end, too, is like, if if this is what money means, I don't want it. I don't want that burden of money. I'd rather be free than have money. Which is how most people from my country, I think, don't think about free. They, they see money as a means to freedom. And I, I'd be honest with my I have to be honest and say I see that, too. Right. I I can't help but. Still. You know think not intellectually like i know this is kind of a false dream but like an emotional level and kind of like where i want to be i don't want to be at work i don't want to do what i'm doing i want to be like out self-sufficient somewhere or, or just have some a house and some land and not have to deal with that shit but that requires money to do that that requires money to be to have that presumption of freedom and then you're not really free because you're still bound by the dollar you're still bound by those those coins in the treasure chest. Huck Finn's able to be free without that. So he's what we should be striving for. But most of us are too cowardly to actually strive for that. We don't actually want that type of freedom because it's not comfortable to us. This is why Tom Sawyer can't really go that far. He's limited as well in, in how far he can go. And that's why he says at the end, it's like, if you want to be a bandit like us, you got to be somewhat civilized. There's a there's a line that he's not going to cross. Right. This is why Huck Finn has to, like, bail on everything at the end. Go live with the Indians. I mean, where else can you go? There's, there's no frontier at that point. I mean, I guess in in, in the Huck Finn was published 86. That's, of course, set by that point, like 50 years earlier. So it's like the third, still the 30s. Right. You know, maybe there's still wild places in the 30s you can go to. But they're running out quickly in the United States anyways. But you can still dream like the, the go live with the Indians. And then then I can escape civilization. At least until white people come in and and steal the land again and build their bonanza farms. I mean, that if, if Huck Finn really does go off and live with the Indians. That's how it ends, right? He goes, live, and then there's those sequels where Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn are like detectives or whatever. Right? I don't know. Has Huck Finn just come back? He must kind of retcon that or explain that. But let's just not take those as canon in a way and say Huck Finn really does go off and live with the Indian. He goes off to Indian territory, right? He's going to be, he's going to run into another society, I presume, a Native American culture that's going to accept him or not on certain terms. And then in 20, 30 years, when he's a middle-aged man, still, I guess I'll still say a, a a relatively young man, right? Maybe still young at heart, even. Then the Bonanza Farms come in, right? And 
and buy up all the land. And he maybe he can be a wage laborer or a cowboy or something. That's the best he's going to be able to do. Um, eventually, America gobbled up everything. Eventually, American capitalism became the only th game in town. So, there's there's a, there's that kind of sad story at the end of the day here. But, anyways, um, really fun though is is how chapter seventeen opens. I, I left off on chapter sixteen last time. It's how chapter seventeen opens is is Tom and Huck and and Joe, right? Joe's Tom Sawyer's good friend, more so than Huck at the beginning of the novel, but by the end, Huck and Tom become closer together due to their experiences with uh, Injun Joe and all that, but uh, in the cave and, and that kind of adventure at the climax of the story. But um, they they attend their own funeral, right? And the funeral's going on, everyone's mourning those three boys, and they've been playing pirate all this time, and then they just kind of enter in on their funeral, mocking the adult ritual. Right, so it's it's, but it's the inverse of the story. The story is the adult world intruding on childhood, and in a, in a way, you could say that's always been a corrupt, at least for Tom Sawyer, it's always been a little bit corrupted because he read books, so he always kind of has his rituals and his imagination and his ideas about things. It's coming through pop culture. Huck Finn doesn't have that, like. And Tom Sawyer's like, well, this is how bandits are, you know. Don't you read? And Huckman's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. What the fuck do I know about that shit? Um, but, but anyways, that's the theme of the story in a way. Is like adulthood entering in. It reminds me of it all the time. It's hard not to be reminded of that book after doing that series on that on Stephen King's book. But, um, but here we have childhood children playing pirate interfering with the adult rituals it sort of turns the narrative on its head interestingly um so after this of course tom sawyer uh goes and you know doesn't really apologize to aunt polly because he wants to you know he wants to say he was lost and all that but he does talk about his dream because remember he snuck back because he was kind of homesick or whatever. He snuck back and he heard them talking and he related what he heard but said it was a dream and Aunt Polly believes he was like a psychic and all that. Um, at the same time, he's still having trouble with Becky Thatcher. Becky Thatcher is not, this is kind of an adult issue too where she's accusing him of two-timing him and he's trying, he's like, okay, fine, I'll be with her then. And then it just makes her more mad. Becky's trying to make Tom jealous and there's that whole thing with the ink I don't know. Like, Alfred's the boy he fought early on in the book. He finally gets a name at this point in the story. And Becky Thatcher sees him kind of pouring ink on the spelling book, ruining the spelling book. Becky Thatcher knows it wasn't Tom Sawyer, but she kind of wants him punished anyway. So she's kind of using her wiles to get back at Tom Sawyer. So that's all going on. Eventually, Polly finds out that Tom is lying about his dreams and but Polly eventually forgives him once again reminded of just how loose and and kind of I don't want to say lame like she is sort of as as a parent not all there not not the most disciplinarian right not quite as as lax as Tuck Finn's father but she definitely doesn't want to fall through she sees the goodness in him I, I think and and Polly's character it, there's actually something more to say about her I think but We'll see. Um, 
So we got the Amy Alfred thing too going on where Amy is, well, Tom Sawyer's kind of getting closer to Amy Lawrence's old sort of fiance, girlfriend engagement to get mad at Becky. Becky's kind of doing the same thing with Alfred to get mad at him. It's a very adult ritual. It's a very adult thing in a way, even if it, if it is kind of silly, it is what older people will do when they when they're feeling jealous or upset with a partner now i'm kind of zipping around here but chapter 21 is kind of an important one because this is um dobbins so this is our introduction um well no chapter 20 and 21 together because they deal with dobbins um so dobbins is this teacher he presents himself as an authority figure he's a bit of an authoritarian figure who takes out his personal anxieties and pressures on the kids not a very good teacher he wants to be a doctor it seems like he reads these medical books but it's kind of hinted here like maybe he just likes the, the naked pictures in medical books or something there, there's it's not quite clear but that's kind of the suggestion but anyways Tom Sawyer's being punished for the ink spill and Alfred's not taking the blame for that it's kind of very similar to how Sid would get Tom Sawyer into trouble. Um, but it's really petty behavior on Becky Thatcher's part. But anyways, during this, Becky sees the book and she actually rips it. And she's going to be like whipped too, you know, by the teachers, like with the ruler kind of beaten. And Tom eventually takes his punishment and also takes the blame for, for Becky Thatcher's crime. And he gets double punishment. And this is kind of his great moment. Now he's getting this idea of sacrificing yourself for the girl, the chivalry from novels, from stories. It's not authentically coming from his, his, his experience really. He, he is like, if you live today, he'd be someone who's, who's constantly getting his idea about things from, from Netflix or from TikTok or, or or something like that, right? He'd be he'd be the he's the consumer of pop culture. Um, which is always gonna kind of limit his potential as as a character. I mean Huck Finn's much less constrained in this way because he can do whatever the hell he wants. Um, now after this we have like the end of the school year and the exams. And of course Mark Twain sort of has to clear the school from the table to get to the climax of the novel with the cave and Indian Joe. It's easier to kind of plot out in summer. Um, but we have this final last scene at school, which is set during examination day. Tom Sawyer, of course, fails in his exams, which is like reading stupid poems. But but Dobbins is kind of showing off his literary talent, but he's just borrowing poems from a standard poetry book. He's and the best students are just doing that same thing too. It's it's not that anyone here is a good poet. It's just some fake it better. Some are able to pretend and and use that highfalutin language a little bit better. And and I think that's so much true of school. Is the ones who succeed are often just the ones who who know the language, right? And listen to the teachers and 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 repeat what they say. The ones who challenge them can do well i think the ones who challenge teachers can do well but many of the people who challenge teachers don't know how to do it in a way that 
that is constructive, right? They just kind of say this is stupid, right? So they, they just kind of disengage, which is not a, a wrong reaction to it. It's just not the there's a th there's a third way that's better, right? But not be a sycophant and not be a education resistor, but somehow to challenge in a smart in, in a way. Yeah, but not many people can do that. I think Tom Sawyer is one of those, I guess, suppose. Um, but they're out to get Dobbins. The boys are out to get Dobbins, and they set up this very elaborate plan, which seems kind of ridiculous, actually. Yeah, it's like the how this all set up is, is kind of wild. But basically, he got drunk one day. He's bald. The kids know he's bald, but he's a wig. And he got drunk one day, and one of the kids painted his head gold and then put the wig back on. So he's wearing his wig, not knowing his head's painted. I don't buy that. Um, and then he's sitting there, and they, they somehow lower a cat. And the cat's grabbing at the air, because that's what cats will do in that situation. And they grab his, his wig. It's exposed to the whole class, his gold head. It's kind of a silly little prank. Also, the logistics of it seem kind of unrealistic. But that's fine. It's the final exposure of the of adult the adult world, which is gilded. The la language Mark Twain uses here is gilded. He actually says the word gilded, and of course, his first book was *The Gilded Age*, and he coins that term for the era. So, you have a coating of intelligence, a coating of wealth, but underneath, it's all it's all shit, right? That's the idea of the Gilded Age. Um. Now, in the summer, um, Tom Sawyer joins the Temperance Association, like Cadets of Temperance, and he just wants to do it because he wants the nice sash. It doesn't really go anywhere. But there's a really funny thing here where it's like he, when they tell him you can't smoke and drink and curse, he, does, he wants to do it. And finally, he leaves the group, and then he's like, well, I don't really need to smoke or swear or curse. It's only when it's being forbidden that he wants to do it. Um, he still has deep depression about De Becky Thatcher, and he eventually gets sick. So it seems like his summer is off to a bad start. That he's nostalgic for Becky Thatcher. She's sad for her, and she, I think the Thatchers go off on a trip at this point. Um, he kind of fails his temperance society thing. Uh, he's still got the secret about the murder that's weighing on his soul. All this stuff is 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 making for a very bad. Um, summer so then finally the muff potter subplot is resolved where basically he has intense guilt over the trial's coming up and he has immense guilt over it and he eventually does agree to testify and during his testimony he confesses that that injun joe did it so he reveals what he saw this gets muff potter freed and of course remember this is a big choice for him because he's already been convinced that he will be killed by Injun Joe if he does this. And he's convinced that he'll be he'll drop dead because that's the vow he made with, with Huck Finn. So it's not an insignificant um, confession for him. It's it's an act of extreme maturity, moral moral uh, gravity. Now during this testimony, Injun Joe in a very dramatic fashion like jumps through the window and escapes. It's kind of silly, but he does it, and he gets away. Now, Tom Sawyer becomes raved as a hero. 
shows up in the newspapers. Uh, the town reconciles with Muff Potter, but he still has fears of Injun Joe um, coming back for him. And now we're going to quickly get towards the climax of the novel. Basically, what happens is they're out searching. Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer are out one day searching for buried treasure. They're going to, and this is, we see the discussion of become, forming a bandit gang and, and a really interesting conversation about what bandits do. Tom Sawyer getting his ideas from pop culture and kind of learning Huck Finn about, about this. Um, they're seeking hidden treasure, and during this, they he overhear and actually see Injun Joe and this other companion of his. And Injun Joe now is dressed up as a Spaniard, as this old Spaniard, but they, they figure out it's Injun Joe. Um, and they decide to go to this haunted house. I, I might be getting the order here a bit wrong, but yeah, I think it's after they decide to go to the haunted house. Um, which they can't go to on a Friday because they're superstitious. But anyways, it's after that that they, they see the Spaniard in Jinjo. Or the Injun Joe dressed up as a Spaniard and faking his identity as a Spaniard. And why is he staying in town? Why doesn't he just leave town? He's wanted. Well, he's got this gold. He's got this treasure um, that from previous crimes and, and things and, and stealing that he's, he's had for a while. But he wants revenge. He says, I'm here for revenge. Now, Tom Sawyer, of course, thinks that's about him. But it's not clear that Injun Joe really cares that much about Tom Sawyer. Um, but they see the gold, right? Now, it's revealed later on that the real person he wants to get revenge on is the widow Douglas. He wants to actually, like, mutilate her face. It's pretty brutal stuff. He wants to mutilate her face because she's, he's still mad about the widow Douglas's fa uh, husband getting him in trouble and getting him flogged publicly or whatever. So the he still can't live off that insult, that personal insult he's faced because he's been, um, um, you know, because he was publicly like flogged or whatever as a vagrant or whatever. So, anyways, now the the climax comes when the Thatchers return. Tom Sawyer and Becky Thatcher go off together and eventually they get lost in the cave. Meanwhile, um, you have Hook Finn uh, kind of scouting out and, you know, doing a stakeout, trying to find when Injun Joe is not there, you know, because they, they, they found him drunk and they thought maybe they could steal the treasure then, but they realized, you know, it's still too risky. We got to wait till he's out of the room. So he's on stakeout. And eventually the stakeout leads them to the Widow Douglas's house, um, where it's supposed to be. But, um, but anyways, the real climax of the novel ends up being in, like, in the cave, right? Because Becky, Th Becky Thatcher and Tom Sawyer are exploring the cave, and it has these, like, uh, finished sides, frescoed walls and stuff like that. So it's, it's like, civilized. Right, but eventually they kind of get lost in the cave, and they get into the part of the cave that's uncivilized, that's barbaric, that's natural, and they get lost in there. Now, of course, this is where Injun Joe eventually flees after Huck Finn gets help and he gets chased away. So he ends up hiding in the in the cave too. Now, Tom Sawyer and Becky Thatcher eventually escape that. It's a really harrowing scene. If you read the book, you're familiar with that. But they get out eventually, but Injun Joe doesn't, and he eventually starves to death in there. And, and this 
like the fate of Injun Joe is described in some detail where he's like drinking the water that's falling from the stalactites and, and forms a little bowl that he's drinking out of and but he can't get out so he eventually just starts to death so it's a pretty horrible end for poor Injun Joe and then a little bit later Tom Sawyer figures out that the treasure is actually in the cave. It's, it was taken in there into the cave by by Injun Joe, and they go there. They use a you know a string this time not to get lost. Acquire the treasure, and this leads to the end of the novel, where the town decides to take Huck Finn under their wing to invest the money. I think uh, the widow he was going to live with the widow Douglas and be civilized. Eventually, Huck Finn runs away. And then we get that final meeting between Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn where they have the conversation I alluded to before where he says, I can't do this. The money's not worth it. The money is not where freedom is. The freedom is in being able to do really what I want. And that's the criticism of the adult world that I think Mark Twain has for us is that these people are not free. Like, you're not free if you have to go to work every day and do what the boss says and dress a certain way every day and follow these rules it's something it may not be a bad life but how do you dare say that's freedom like it's only if you really twist the meaning of freedom is it freedom you want freedom look at look at huck finn all right and he's someone who is doesn't have any authority he doesn't have to go to school he doesn't have to go to church he's totally freed of any kind of overarching authority over him and maybe you might say that's a childish sort of freedom but i don't think it necessarily is i think it's uh, there's a lot of maturity to it now of course huck finn's not mature but how many people can be huck finn as adults i can't think of anyone who's kind of pulled this off um kramer for you know the fictional characters sure but i don't know anyone in real life who's kind of pulled this off so anyways but maybe you have your own thoughts about about the adventures of Tom Sawyer. Um, let me know what they are. I'm going to uh, head out for now. Um, in the next four episodes, I'll be looking at the life Life on the Mississippi by by Mark Twain. This is a partial memoir, partial history of the river. We get some ecology. We got a lot of stuff going on in this this book. It's nonfiction, so. Um, after one fiction book, we're back to some kind of nonfiction writing, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it. I, it's been a while since I've read it, so I don't remember all the the details or stories or things that show up in here. I know there's a lot of personal memoirs in here about, about Samuel Clemens' life as a young person, working and living on the Mississippi, and I'm excited to read this again. I think I the first time I read it, I kind of just skimmed it, and I'm going to do a much closer reading this time. So if you have any thoughts about The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, I'm sure there's a lot I missed, a lot of details or things I, I skipped over. But I really want to focus on this theme of, of the adult world, about the freedom of childhood right, and what that actually contains and how free we can be either as children or adults. And is there any hope for us to actually embrace that freedom? I don't know. Um, I have my doubts, but I, I like this book because it challenges me to think about ways we can 
can you you know have that freedom so anyways i'll uh i'll see you next time when i look at uh life of the mississippi thanks for listening